0: Although we will do our best to stay family friendly, the content of this podcast is not intended for children. You are now listening to the Bit Critics Podcast,
1: a retro role playing game podcast brought to you by 3D6 In
0: Order. Hello, this is Alfred G. Oldman, recording me remotely as Josh Davis. Together, we are the Back in Time Critics, and this is our podcast. Josh, what are we doing in this episode?
1: Today we will be reviewing The Hunters Hunted, a game from White Wolf Games, which was published shortly after the release of Vampire the Masquerade, first edition, in 1991. This game was released in 1992. At the time, Vampire the Masquerade was pretty much the only White Wolf game. However, this became the template for hunters of all types in all White Wolf games,
0: it sounds like you're reading it. the blurb off the back of the cover. No, I'm not. I, I know you're not, but it sounds like you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if this was like a republish, yeah, that would kind of work, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. So recently okay. we did review Vampire the Masquerade 3rd Edition, also known as Revised. And so, yeah, we're kind of mm. going back in time here.
0: Well, that's that's kind of our purpose is going back in time. and We do. Also, also listening to very loud trucks pass on the road outside. <laughs> Because I do not have a quiet room here like you have there. Um, so let's see. Uh, I will go ahead and make a confession up front. I didn't read the book. So, uh, we're going to be going, uh, by me using what I remember from actually playing this stuff from the early into mid nineties. Yeah. So when we say you
1: didn't read the book, we, we mean that. Like you haven't read the book recently?
0: Yeah, I didn't read the book this week when I was supposed to prepare for this for this podcast. So uh, we're going to go from my hazy memories and more cars passing outside. This is a very noisy street today for some reason. Um, that's three. Yeah. Um. So yes, yes, we have hunters in the vampire game. Um. This is also pretty much the first resource for making mortal characters, non-vampire characters. Uh it was touched upon, upon briefly in the main core books, but this is the first time that you can really like flesh out a mortal character, although it pushes you in the direction of having a mortal character who's a vampire hunter.
1: The basic conceit of this game is that you are a hunter, somebody who has been either chosen or been unfortunate enough to come across the existence of vampires and either you've been selected through some dint of fate or you are playing as somebody who has decided that these sorts of monsters cannot be allowed to exist. There is also mention in this book of some other types of supernatural monsters and how you might encounter them. But the primary conceit is that you are a vampire hunter a la Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a la Van Helsing, a la... Give me some more vampire hunters if you want.
0: I'm sorry, I was distracted. Were you saying something? No, I'm kidding. Uh, Vampire hunters, uh, you said Van Helsing, you said Buffy. Uh, Those those, those, those are the only ones. Those (laughs) are the only famous vampire hunters. Uh, Actually, I I guess if I was more into the the vampire movie subculture, we would name... The characters off from like um from dusk till dawn they mm. kind of became hapless vampire hunters by the end of that movie um very hapless um um was roman polanski's vampire movie uh i think it was called vampires roman polanski's vampires was that? Is that a movie that exists or am i just making stuff up
1: um i don't know that's not it doesn't okay. it doesn't strike a strike a nerve but um It
0: had one of the lesser Baldwin brothers in it.
1: Hmm, like, um, what is it? Is there an Adam Baldwin?
0: There is an Adam Baldwin. Yeah, maybe it was Adam Baldwin. No, 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 because I don't think he, well, I don't think it was him, but he is.
1: He could have played the scrappy teenager.
0: Wait, wait, I'm trying to remember, which is the one good Baldwin?
1: The one good Baldwin? That's a matter of. That's a matter of debate, my friend.
0: No, no, it is totally not a matter of debate because he's the one who's not related to the others, and he was in Firefly.
1: Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> he's um. the one good bald. <laughs> I, I see what you did there.
1: Anyway, anyway, Vampire Hunters is the name of the game. That's why they're called hunters. Yes. And uh, interestingly enough, this is this is one of the few White Wolf games. That does not have a name convention that goes with the other. So, for example, you have Vampire the Masquerade, you have Werewolf the Apocalypse, you have Mage the Ascension. But this is just Hunters Hunted uh, instead of Hunters the Something.
0: Yeah. Well, at this point, this was meant to be a resource book for Vampire the Masquerade. It uses the same green cover background as the other vampire books. This was not intended at this point to be a separate game like werewolf versus vampire versus mage versus wraith. This was just a resource book for let's flip things over on the vampires. And it it works both ways. It works as a resource for a storyteller to have uh, hunters for his vampire players that are, you know, fully defined and not just a stat block to be, you know, ripped apart. Um, but it, it definitely allows for um, um, players to take on the role of vampire hunters. Uh, it, it goes through the rules of the vampire game and basically, as necessary, refocuses those rules to be used by mortals and more specifically mortals who are vampire hunters. So I do like that, uh, like just going through the, the potential archetypes and themes for vampire hunters. Um, it will go through an example of if you need to blend in and have a disguise. Oh, here's some, you know, additional rules of how the disguise skill works on uh, in one hand, it's a bit disjointed because, you know, this stuff about the disguise skills in the, the themes chapter but it, it's nice that this stuff is even in here. So um I don't know where you want to go. I mean, I'm following your lead because like well, I said, let's I'm just... start.
1: Let's start with just the general layout of the book. Um Like with most White Wolf books, you get an introduction. Um, You know, this is what this book is for. And then we have chapter one, which is an entirely in character um, chapter uh describing um, a single hunters uh upon coming upon. Uh, the existence of vampires and describing how they became a hunter and then we have chapter two the Hunt, which sort of describes um, what the hunters themselves are are doing um, how you know how they how they came across it, why they do it, uh, and a little bit about some of the different types and then. We get to chapter three, which is about the actual hunters themselves in meaning organizations of hunters, right. uh, as and well I'm, as just just gonna, some general types.
0: I'm just going to go back in that uh, the section in chapter two that gives the motivations. Um, most of those motivations are right out of vampire movies. Yeah, you know, these these are all, you know, it's two or three paragraphs that pretty much describe characters from movies that you've already seen Mm -hmm. Uh, you know this is oh i you know found out that my you know brother had been killed by a vampire so now i hunt vampires or i found out that my brother was turned into a vampire so now i hunt vampires or i found out i have a brother and now i kill vampires and just down the line of every weird movie trope of a reason to be a vampire hunter
1: and so next there's chapter four living the hunt this basically describes how to make a hunter character so right this is true white wolf fashion you have to go through a lot of like this is the setting before you get to how to make a character
0: right, and that's fine, but yeah, yeah this chapter is is the one that I'm most familiar with because it's the one you know with the most crunch with the rules mm-hmm. uh, it kind of goes through the 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 skills and the talents and points out points you in the direction of which ones are going to be the most useful uh it goes through the backgrounds and has a few modifications for how a mortal would use these things as opposed to a vampire especially a mortal who's a vampire hunter. Um I has one or two new backgrounds I think. Then we have more of how to be a vampire hunter.
1: Yeah, um so the book uh, uh, that was the last chapter and then the book wraps up with a couple of appendices. The first appendix is some sample hunter characters, which they call, like, famous hunters. Although, there's no reason you couldn't use these as kind of like your pregens if you wanted to just step right in and run a hunter game. Some of them are pretty, pretty tough. Um, Others are kind of not so tough. Uh, So, if you wanted to throw them all together for some reason, you know, you'd have to... You may want to balance them out a little bit, but... The nice thing yeah. is, it gives you an idea of what it's like to play a hunter, and then we have I'm an gonna, appendix on.
0: Well, before you move here. on, I'm I'm going to point out that the the picture, the uh, uh, art that they have at the beginning of that chapter, the three characters on there that are vampire hunters, just scream 1991, and the way that they're dressed and their hairstyles.
1: Are you talking about so. the the portrait for Caiaphas and Deborah and? Or which 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 portrait?
0: I I am going to say yes because okay. I have no idea who you're talking about, but it's the page before the beginning of chapter three it has three vampire hunters looking like we're totally cool. Oh, before our, chapter three. Yeah.
1: Sorry, I was I was scrolling a little bit ahead. Oh yeah, okay, I see what you mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's like look at my 1991 hair and my yeah. 1991 jacket with the 1991 shoulder pads.
1: This is a very 80s book. Yeah, uh, sorry, very <laughs> 90s book. Yeah. The the uh the hairstyles are very like early Janet Jackson. Um
0: Yeah, she is gonna be the one <laughs> in control.
1: Right, exactly.
0: What have you done for her lately? <laughs> and
1: then you got the guy with the like the leopard print jacket. It's 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 almost it's not just a jacket, it's like a mantle that comes down like a cape. And then you've got the then you got the street the street vampire hunter. He's like He's right out of like the, 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 the gang, you know, and he's ready to, he's ready to throw down with his, his dagger that has his knife that has three blades for some reason. <laughs> I mean, cause that works That's, better.
0: Okay. Then you're not seeing it. That is a, uh, a quiver that he has slung over his shoulder that has three wooden oh, stakes. Oh, okay.
1: That makes sense. Okay that the, might be javelins the fact, that, <clears throat> the fact that this is all in black and white and this is really old book <laughs> it's the the art is not as the art is not as clear as it could be they they do they got a lot better with their um, art and later editions part of the problem with this art picture which is why I think I misunderstood that is this is one of those really terrible things that white wolf decided to do with some of their art and some of their in fact they had one whole book where they tried to do it is where they had like a black page with white um writing on it and then this this is a this is a black background art piece with white coming out out of it so like all the everything that provides the definition is white uh coming off of the black background and the black background is just printed so heavily you know because of this the 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 printing capabilities at the time it looks terrible um yeah, anyway, I'm not I'm not a fan of that of that style, but you can kind of get the the general gist. The thing is yeah, we, it's hard we, to tell what he's what he's doing with his hand, but I guess I see what you're saying now. He's, hold, he's, he's like, holding He's holding
0: on to the strap. Yeah, That's what he's it. doing with his hand. Okay. It looked All right. Me well, like, I anyway. I just wanted to say, "Hey, there's a picture here and it's very very 90s, but we end up spending 10 minutes on there, so just edit this whole thing out."
1: No, this is actually like, okay, this is a <laughs> criticism I have of this book. The layout of the of the um, the text and the art is really not that great. Some of this some of this stuff does not really go with what it's supposed to go with. I get the impression that some of this art was not necessarily intended for this game or this this supplement necessarily, and may have been intended for something else.
0: Well, um, most definitely, because a great deal of this art, especially the full page pieces like that were reused in later right wolf uh vampire products um okay so in that section we also have um the big uh organizations Mm -hmm. that either are vampire hunting organizations or potentially vampire hunting organizations Mm -hmm. I i like that there is a mix of real world organizations as well as uh fictional ones so, like, we start the section off with, you know, the FBI, what possibly could the FBI know and do in a world that has vampires in it? Uh, I like that we also have the, uh, the CDC, uh, the NSA. I mean, just the idea of what if we assume that there's a world where vampires exist, what would these government organizations be able to figure out? And based on what they could figure out, what would they then, you know, what, what would they do? So I, I like that, that there's this foundation of real world organizations. And then they start going into the, you know, wizardy people. Hey, I'm a wizardy person. Of course I know about vampire. Well, how'd you find out about vampire? Well, when I became a wizardy person, that's just part of the job. It's like, hey, I'm a, a member of the church who, uh, Hunts down spooky things. Well, how did you find out that there were spooky things? Well, I'm a member of the church. Hmm. That's what we do. So did you want to go into any uh uh detail on things like the Arcanum or the Inquisition?
1: Well, we skipped all the way over Chapter 1 and Chapter 2. And chap- oh,
0: okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I thought that was part of the plan. Well, you mentioned Chapter 1 was was the, the, the diary. That's done, the in-character. Yeah. Did you want to go into it? Any detail about the story that's revealed in there? Well,
1: this is this I did want to say say a few words about it. Um, So this is this follows the story of a woman named Elise, who is um, basically going on a quest to find um, something a little bit strange that has happened. She she, there's there's an issue with her with her brother and uh, her brother has been kidnapped. She's trying to figure out what's going on. And she teams up with this. uh, Also, you know, she notices some strange things are going on with her brother, like he's sleeping all day and so on. But she teams up with this uh, this doctor, Dr. White. All right. So Uh Dr. White knows all about this stuff and he's going to show Elise and uh, we get to, you know, obviously a a dramatic conclusion with a twist where she finds out exactly what happened with her brother. Um, He was a
0: vampire all along.
1: What I like about this story, I won't go into every single detail. I would, I like about this story in broad strokes is that it's all about just a normal mortal person, no real special powers. Um, although, you know, maybe she has like a psychic power. That's not entirely clear, but it's about a normal person who just happens upon the existence of vampires. And that's kind of cool. Uh, I like the idea of street-level, normal people having to use their wits and their cunning to outsmart a monster that is supernatural and has a lot more power than that person does. And also kind of like there's, you know, she has to team up with somebody to go and do this because she obviously can't do it alone. And that's in Vampire the Masquerade. That is a strength that mortals have against vampires you a vampire can be pretty powerful but you get four or five mortals to uh, attack a vampire all at once and they suddenly become quite a match so
0: Um, okay i was at some point we need to discuss you know this this illusion that people have that vampires are these great powerful creatures because uh this game for the most part does not support that theory
1: well, no. Um, in Vampire the Masquerade, just because you are a vampire does not suddenly mean you are a, uh, a being of mythical power. It, it usually means that you are, a, a, as a very young vampire, you are a being that has to learn how to use your powers. And you have some cool tricks, but that doesn't mean that you are invincible or invulnerable.
0: Right, because like Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta, if they show up with guns, and it doesn't matter if you're a vampire,
1: you did, baby. Not,
0: that, yeah, that, that's it's not going to end well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, even a, even right. a vam, you know, vampires are resistant to bullet fire, but you can get torn up by a heavy machine gun pretty quickly.
0: Well, wouldn't even have to be a heavy machine gun; just multiple shots. Yeah. It's like that one shot. I mean, if someone just you know shoots you once and think that's all you need, that you know they'll be wrong because, as a vampire, you'll be able to soak that first shot. But if if they, you know, unload into you like they do in those movies, yeah, the vampire is not gonna just go, "Aha, I you know survived." Yeah, at least not the way this rules that works
1: right and there are there are some there are some vampires that are you know tough and might be able to absorb that that type of attack so uh but the idea is not every vampire has every mythical power that vampires have and so that also ends adds a little bit of mystery to the game because especially if you're playing this with hunters um the types of encounters you're going to have with vampires. Not every vampire is going to be the same. So you could have a really cool story where the player characters come across a vampire and they learn that some of the stories are true. Oh, the vampire can uh, turn into a bat or turn into a wolf and the vampire can see in the dark and the vampire can turn into mist and the vampire sleeps in the ground, right? Um, But then you know they 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 start to think oh well that is what vampires are and then they they defeat their first vampire right at the end of a story and then they learn of the existence of another vampire as their hook into the next story and so they prepare thinking oh okay so we're going to need to learn to detect bats because they use echolocation we're going to need to maybe you know be able to look for wolf footprints and things like that and, you know, make sure we have stuff hermetically sealed so the vampire can't get out by turning into mist. And then they discover this vampire has none of those powers, but this vampire can look into their eyes and control them and order them to do whatever they want. (laughs) And that's an interesting twist because it makes every encounter a little bit different.
0: All right, so we went into a little bit more detail on the the story from chapter 1. Did you want to go into more detail on chapter 2 with the motivations?
1: Um so with the motivations, it's you you kind of went into it um fairly well with a nice with a nice broad broad stroke. So I think it's it's pretty good. There's a lot of stuff in there that's pretty typical. Um they do mention though there's some there's some uh drops here about other Vampire the Masquerade supplements, um, to describe, you know, how some people might have come across the, uh, the weakness of vampires such as, oh, the scientist accidentally discovered that shining an ultraviolet light on a vampire could hurt it, which doesn't exactly work with the way that vampire is supposed to work, but okay. Um, So yeah, there's there are there are some different things in here. I didn't see anything that I haven't seen in a like a movie or uh, a book. But for those who may not be quite so initiated, um, there are a few other things here that are kind of cool. Like I, I like the idea of possibly being associated with uh, a group that is already aware of the existence of supernatural creatures, but just doesn't know much about them. So, uh, for example, maybe the player characters could be motivated because they have, they're able to talk with ghosts and ghosts are in, are in this game. And so <clears throat> the ghost might tell them, you know, for example, I was killed by a vampire or maybe they, they describe suspicious circumstances under which they died, which sound a whole lot like, you know, the vampire. Um, so that's, that's an interesting kind of take on it. Uh, <laughs> I like the idea of having like, you know, detectives as you know, you can start off being like this is a cop procedural type of uh game and then mm-hmm. as they investigate the murder they come to define that it's actually a vampire who's responsible. That's kinda cool. Uh I'm I know that's been done before. It has to it, have been it
0: has, it <laughs> has. <laughs> In fact it's even been done to where the vampire is the detective.
1: Um, but you can also have, you can also have, uh, they, they, they give you a lot of ideas. Basically, this is a good chapter to go through. If you're not familiar with the various ways in which you could create a character who becomes a hunter, um, this is a good chapter to go through. Also, another thing I will mention about this is that in hunters hunted, it's not assumed that the player characters are all part of like the same group. You could have somebody who comes across the mention of vampires as a chaplain, for example, and another person who discovers the existence of vampires, uh, by learning that their family member was a vampire. Uh, and then another person who comes across the existence of vampires just because of some dumb luck, they happen to have a piece of wood on them. You know, maybe they, uh, were carrying around like a, a hockey stick cause they were going to practice and they turned around at just the right moment, and the vampire accidentally impaled itself
0: on a hockey stick.
1: On a hockey stick, the, the okay. hockey stick broke at the same time the person was turning around, and the vampire just, you know, ah! okay. That's I was coming up great. with something off the top of my head. The idea is you got di- people. Di- you can have. You're supposed to have characters from different backgrounds in this book.
0: All right, so. Chapter three with the organization. Did you want to go into any more detail on that?
1: Well, yeah. So now we get to the organizations and these there are some groups that have been hunting vampires. There's one in particular that's pretty, uh, pretty well um, described, which is the uh, Society of Leopold. And uh, this one kind of becomes like the the big bad uber baddie. For vampires, the Inquisition, because
0: what a show!
1: Yeah, some some people some 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 people might think you know oh the Inquisition ended in the Middle Ages, well the Inquisition also uncovered the existence of vampires, and there's a order of uh, like Catholic bishops or you know Catholic friars I guess is a better way to say it, who continue to hunt vampires and werewolves and witches. Um, even though most of the church doesn't believe in that stuff anymore. So on top of that, you also have this group that's mentioned called the Arcanum. And I don't know how much we know about the Arcanum at this point in the, in the development of White Wolf. I think this is one of the first mentions of them, or at least to give much detail, but the Arcanum is a, it's a mortal organization uh, that just studies the supernatural. They're, They're really kind of weird because they don't seem to have much of an agenda besides the gathering and acquisition of knowledge for knowledge's sake. So you can kind of just imagine that person who has this giant, enormous library because it's kind of a trophy to have this library and it has all sorts of information and forbidden lore, not so that that person can necessarily do anything with it, but just that having knowledge is power in and of itself.
0: Alright, so let's see. Uh we have a couple of organizations here at the back of the chapter that are a twist. hmm Uh we have um the Children of Osiris.
1: Yeah, the Children of Osiris were introduced to the vampire the masquerade book uh game in this book, if I recall correctly.
0: Yes, I do believe this is the first mention of them. And so back in the Early 90s.
1: In the Vampire the Masquerade game, there are the followers of Set, and this is a clan of vampires, one of the 13, you know, powerful clans of vampires. And what we learn about the hunters is that there's this group called the Children of Osiris who have a little bit of a relationship to the followers of Set, don't they?
0: Yes, yes. Where where'd you want to go with this? Well,
1: part? I I, I, want, I was curious why you wanted to mention it, so I was gonna let you. Uh...
0: Okay. Well, I was just gonna. I'm. It's because here we have this chapter on the organizations of vampire hunters, and boom, we have a group of vampires in here. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So that's that's the idea. The uh, children of Osiris are vampires who hunt Setites, people who follow Set. And uh, it's it's because of the ancient war between you know the god Osiris and the god Set. Uh, ostensibly, in the mythology, Osiris was cut into you know many many pieces, and um, those pieces were thrown all around the world, and then uh, Isis put those pieces back together. Uh, but uh, there wasn't there wasn't there wasn't enough. Basically, there's a, and there's a whole bit with like Osiris's um, uh, member,
0: <laughs> yes, being yes.
1: being animated so that you know Isis could have her son Horus. Um, anyway, Egyptology and mythology is 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 part of this, but the basic idea: Osiris and his children are basically the enemies of the followers of Set, and the children of Osiris are themselves vampires but they're
0: and and this is both a bloodline of vampires and it also is a a uh an umbrella under which you know a vampire of any clan or bloodline who decides to flip the table so to speak and try to maintain their humanity and work against other vampires uh they can become part of this and, and find refuge within this group and learn their mystic ways that make it easier to be a vampire.
1: Yeah. So this comes in where we really have a lot of ties to the vampire, the masquerade game, because one of the themes in vampire, the masquerade is this idea of Golconda, how a vampire might achieve some sort of level of nirvana or inner peace and be able to quiet their hunger. Um, and not need to feed on blood of humans or mortals. Uh, or at the very least might be able to uh, tamp that hunger down. And the children of Osiris have a special power that helps them to maintain their humanity. So if you were interested in playing sort of the anti-vampire type of character. And I'm not talking about like the Wesley Snipes type of you know vampire killer. But I'm just talking about the character who is... Not the brooding, you know, gothic punk vampire, but the the vampire who's really striving uh, in a noble way against that. There's a lot of people who don't like the children of Osiris. I think the idea is kind of cool. The implementation is where I have a little bit of issues with it just because it's a it's a very limiting kind of thing and it doesn't fit it doesn't fit very well with the rest of the rules, in my opinion. To have the children of Osiris, it just kind of seems like the really easy way to just keep your humanity. I, what do you? I don't know. What do you think about that?
0: Well, number one, I didn't think based on the rules it was a very easy way to keep your humanity. I do like that it it uh, it kind of teases because their top tier ability is to basically self resurrection. You can stop being a vampire and re- totally regain your human self. Now. It's pretty much impossible for anyone to ever get that ability. And if if you ever say, "My character learned Bardo and I got the ninth level power and became mortal again," it's like, okay, so you cheated at vampire. What what else have you done? Yeah, um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. How'd you get to, How'd you get that that level of power? Did you diabolize a bunch of other yes. vampires to so get like, there?
0: <laughs> how many sins did you have to commit in order to gain this ability to you know? Become so, yeah. so
1: here's the issue I have with it. I'll just be pretty clear with it. The very first level of the Children of Osiris's Bardo discipline, which is a unique discipline just for them, um, is restore humanitas. It's re- they they basically can restore a lost point of humanity. So um, they have to basically they just have to meditate and they have to roll a check. And then, boom, their humanity is back as long as they succeeded, which is this. And this is the issue I have with it. It's like, okay, well, I'm a vampire and I commit a sin. And it's like my humanity is lost. I'm just going to use Bardo to get it back that 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 smacks of (sighs) allowing the humanity mechanic to just be a mechanic as opposed to being a like a serious limitation, it's supposed to be hard to get humanity back.
0: Well, it is hard. The difficulty on the die roll is based on the rating of humanity that you're trying to get back. So it's one of those things, it's the die roll is easy if you're trying to maintain yourself around a five or a six. But if you're one of those snobs that's trying to keep things around an eight or a nine, you know, your difficulty for getting it back is an eight or a nine. So it's... There's a good chance you're gonna fail when you do this. Right.
1: So Uh, you're you're correct you're correct on that. But I mean And and since
0: you cannot, you know, and after that week has passed, that point is gone. Yeah. So that's true. Ultimately this is also a downward spiral. It's a slower downward spiral than the humanity system for the main book, but it's still a downward spiral. I have also
1: no, I have also seen this used in there because there is a mechanism in Vampire where you can learn disciplines that are not meant for your character. So, I've also seen this used where someone would say, "Ha! I've, desi- I've diablorized a children of a child of Osiris. Now I can learn the Bardo discipline, and now you know I don't have to worry as much about my humanity being lowered. So now I can just go." you know, kill people. And you know, it's not a big deal because I'm only trying to maintain a humanity of like six or seven. So I don't appear monstrous. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. It's like, so
1: doesn't matter if I kill when I hunt, no big deal. It just, it,
0: Anyway, that that's well. In in that case, it is one of the two or three dozen methods throughout the Vampire: The Masquerade game designed to let people be absolute beasts, monsters, yeah. murderers, etc., and get away with it. We yeah. already discussed this was that. one of
1: this was one of the earlier ones, and I just I I did not like that. I the only way I would ever. You know, allow somebody to play a child of Osiris is if the their whole thing was to literally be the anti it's Like you're not gonna commit violence because you're trying to maintain your humanity, and the only way you would is if you frenzied. You know, right. So. I,
0: I guess the idea is you would allow them that you could never let them just have the level one in order to do this. It's like no, if you're gonna do this, you need to strive for level nine, yeah. though you're never going to get it. Exactly. Um, all right, and then the next group, the Youngbloods. Mm-hmm. The Youngbloods is another interesting group. Uh, <laughs> they seem like they are a motorcycle gang. They they fit all of the stereotypes of the motorcycle gang. And they go around and they hunt vampires. But what's the twist?
1: Well, the Youngbloods, uh, they're called the Youngbloods for a reason.
0: Because they're under the age of 25?
1: <laughs> no. Um, they... They actually use vampire blood, and so they're not killing powerful.
0: vampires. They're not killing vampires for the sake of we need to rid the world of this evil blot. You know, no, they they have figured out that consuming vampire blood, basically ghouling themselves, mm-hmm. makes them stronger and allows them to live longer, right? Uh, and shrug off some minor injuries. And so, even the, the potential to learn other vampiric disciplines. So they go around killing vampires for the sake of drinking their blood and maintaining their powers.
1: So if you're a fan of the, uh, dead until dark series by Charlene Harris, the, the Sookie stack house mysteries, or it's later incarnation on screen, which was called true blood on HBO. Um, the people who, uh, hunt and kill vampires to to steal their blood and and drink it uh, that's that that's that's kind of that's kind of what what we're what we're talking about here um, so that's that's what's going on here
0: kind uh, it's an interesting twist yeah it I is think... a pretty
1: interesting twist especially for 1991 it wasn't something it was a fairly original idea in 1991
0: well I guess part of it was because uh, it was still a novel idea that a someone, a human, a mortal who consumed vampiric blood could gain powers. Uh, you know, usually the Renfield types are just being subjected to the look into my eyes type right. stuff and the mental domination as opposed to you know, drink of my blood, which is somewhat you know, sacrilegious. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's built on that idea. So, are we done with the, that? That was chapter three, yeah, that was chapter three. All right, chapter four is when we get into the nitty-gritty of making a character.
1: Yep, here's the mechanics.
0: Um, make yes. a mortal. <laughs> make yes. a weak so, guy. If you've seen the yes.
1: character creation <laughs> rules for Vampire the Masquerade, you're like, wait a second, I'm creating a basic character and I get even less than I would if I was yes, making like, like a starting level vampire? What?
0: It's like, remember how many points you got to make your character in the vampire book? Well, subtract two from everything.
1: Yeah, it's, it's basically that. Yeah. Um, Now, uh, there is, there is, there is one, you know, kind of caveat to that is that, uh, hunters do get access to a few more freebies. So in a sense, you know, you can customize your character a little bit more, but not a lot. And then there's the big one is they gain access to something called numina and numina is described in one of three categories in this, uh, version of the book. Uh, which is a a psychic ability, which is pretty much limited to like preternatural senses um, about the supernatural thaumaturgy, which is the ability to actually use magic and uh, faith, which is very closely tied to basically the true faith mechanic that was introduced in vampire.
0: Yes. So, uh, uh, there are a few, uh, they go through some of the merits and flaws from the original vampire book, and some of them are just adjusted, to be more specific, to vampire hunters. Some of the costs are adjusted either up or down, depending on, you know, a mortal having them as opposed to a vampire. Uh, the psychic abilities are your standard movie psychic abilities, telepathy, uh, telekinesis, and the other one, oh, clairvoyance. Yeah. I'm
1: having a dream. So, what's going to happen?
0: No, no, you can project all five senses on anything in the world if you just max that one out you you, you don't need to ever worry about getting tickets to the World cup because <laughs> you can just watch it. you just psychically project there and
1: <laughs> now the um it, it should be it should be stated here you would have to spend a lot of your freebie points to get any of these abilities, pretty much all of them, or half of them, to get any of these abilities, so...
0: Well, I'm assuming that the idea is you're supposed to get, like, one level of something that you really like, and then the rest is going to be gotten through experience as you advance with a, a campaign.
1: I also just like the idea of playing, like, the mortal who doesn't really have anything special, and... You know, just using just using what you the advantages you have the natural advantages like being able to fight during the daytime, and do your investigations safely during the daytime, uh, to help. So that's kind of that is kind of a cool thing. I mean, like <laughs> if you play Vampire: The Masquerade, you know that vampires are basically helpless during the day. Mortal comes across a vampire, even if it's like the oldest vampire in the world, uh, the mortal is pretty much has the leg up, and that it can. Encounter. Uh
0: the Thaumaturgy system, uh with their spells here, it's very, very simplistic. Yeah. Uh I, I actually like it mm-hmm. because of, of its simplicity. Uh it smacks a little bit of the um magic system from Marvel superheroes, believe it or not.
1: Yeah. I can see that.
0: Just with the so you've got... number of successes determining mm-hmm. duration and, and um uh, uh range.
1: So there's, there's three different types of spells. There's perception spells, there's intelligence spells, and there's wits spells. And um, perception spells allow you to um, see or know things um, having to do with vampires. Intelligence spells <clears throat> allow you to kind of like gain extra information. And then your wits spells give you kind of like area, uh, like momentary um, abilities. Uh, for example, like bring to body is the first wit spell. You snap your fingers and you can awaken somebody else, somebody who is asleep. So it's like kind of like a sudden thing.
0: Right. And you might think, well, that sounds stupid. I mean, you know, heck, you know, in normal circumstances, if I just snap my fingers, I might be able to wake up somebody who is you know asleep in the same room with you. But you need to take into consideration the number of successes and so forth. You can do something like that on someone who is anywhere else in the city or within a mile radius. It requires a larger number of successes on your die roll, but it's one of those things you snap your fingers here and you can awaken, you know, your partner who is on the other side of the city and doesn't know that the assassin is outside his window.
1: Exactly. Like, you just come across that information, and you don't need to roll super high to get that get that to happen. Right, right. It's and, a way of, like, and, saving your party members.
0: Right, as opposed to, you know, dialing their phone number and making the phone ring in their house. That would probably also wake them up.
1: Well, which in but, 1991 means if they're not in their house, then you can't dial their phone number.
0: Right. And if they're staying in a
1: motel, you can't dial their phone number either unless they've given you the number in advance. Because nobody had cell phones back then. If you were lucky, you had a pager. (laughs) (laughs) Most people were like, pagers are for preppies.
0: They're for doctors and drug dealers. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, there's just three
1: classes of spells, and you roll higher, the spell is a little bit better.
0: Right, and each each class of spell only has, like, five effects to it. Trying to think if any of them double up. Nope, five spells for each three categories five spells that's the whole shebang that's not yeah, bad it's
1: it's simple it's straightforward and then we have And it, um, it's
0: it's meant to be a system to assist in the game as opposed to being the system that the game is built around mm-hmm. okay and then true faith
1: and then we have faith yes so your character if your character has the faith of a mustard seed you can do powerful things um Vampires do not like being around people that really have actual true faith. Uh, so if you truly believe in something, it doesn't have to be like Christianity. It can be it can be uh, religion, or it can even be just devotion to an ideal. You know, you might be you might be an agnostic uh, person who uh, believes in the power of the human spirit, and that that could be true faith. Although. This description does lean a little more heavily on the religious. our thinking was simpler at the beginning of the development of this game, but it does leave that it does leave that open. It just says that you know your lifestyle needs to reflect whatever your character has faith in. It gives a couple examples, which are mostly you know religious faiths, but faith can be a number of things to increase your faith. you're supposed to you have to spend experience, but also you know your your character has to be acting in that manner that would be going with your faith. The benefit is that you can hold off vampires. Um, the more powerful your, your faith is the fewer, the, the, the less close vampires can get to you and the less effective they are against using their abilities against you. This is a generic I mean, description I'd say.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. And there's, a, there's also a system for doing what are called miracles. So if you have really high faith and uh, you make a you make a willpower roll and you get a lot of a lot of successes, that, maybe you could pull off a miracle. I
0: don't know. I, that's kind of on the lines of the uh, the higher levels of the Bardo discipline. They're mm-hmm. just there to tease you. I mean, just like here, let's fill up half a page of text with something that you could never actually legally get by playing the game. Yeah. And it's another one of those things. If someone says, "Well, my character has a you know a, a nine faith, true faith," you go, "Okay, so you cheated at Hunters Hunted." Uh, what else? What else have you done? I,
1: I do think, like it would it would be reasonable. I think to if over the term long term of a game to potentially get up to like faith six, maybe faith seven, um, but yeah, you're not going to get to like the level tenth faith in the course of a normal game unless without without cheating or without having like a pushover storyteller
0: or and an, unless you can get the college of cardinals to make you pope
1: yeah, <laughs> there you go
0: I, I think that might be one of the prerequisites once you become pope then you can spend the 50 experience points on getting level 10 true
1: faith mm-hmm. all right okay. so that leaves us with um a, there's a little bit of a storyteller guide here, just kind of about, you know, how to, how to make a story for Hunters. Um, Which honestly, really I kind think of it's...
0: Just, it's just kind of shoved into this chapter mm-hmm. for some reason. It really, there really should have been a, a dividing point, another really badly inked picture, and then next chapter, storyteller yeah. section. But yeah, this is stuck in the same chapter as character generation.
1: They give you some ideas, but I mean, a lot of the, I, I think a lot of the typical hunter stories are going to appear with, um, are, are going to start off with something like, oh my goodness, you discovered someone's a vampire. Now you have to figure out how to kill it. Uh, that's, there are some, there are some other, there are some other ways, like, you know, you're, you're called, you know, you, you have a dream or someone comes to you and says, you are destined, you have the blood, something like that, um, I do like, I I don't know why this is here. Uh, It seems totally out of place, but they have like um, these two Roman guys on page 71 (laughs) who have, uh, one of them has a gladius, a a Roman sword, and the other one has a stake. And it looks like they're getting ready to assassinate Caesar, but like, (laughs) I I guess they're going to kill a vampire in, in, in Rome. Um, it, it I I think maybe it's supposed to be with here with this story idea called the Hunt of Ages, which is a long running chronicle, like basically going back oh, in time, okay. but like where so you have hunters. The idea is that you have hunters um, in an old period, and then you fast forward in time to maybe like deal with the children of that vampire in a later period. So I guess maybe you start with the Roman empire for you could it would be an example and then you could fast forward 500 years in time and then it's the uh, the byzantine empire and then you fast forward 500 years in time and then it's the dark ages you fast forward to the victorian era and then you can fast forward to the modern time you know to just deal with several generations of vampires
0: um okay number one i think that we should combine this with a doctor who role-playing game (laughs) yeah i think if doctor who were a vampire hunter i would watch that series i, I would watch that whiny. so much yes and bloody wuddy because you know, of vampires <laughs> yes bloody wuddy and Tiny wine uh i am I'm, I'm totally sensing since i'm looking at this picture now uh well number one there's that big column that's directly behind them so that's actually the master's tardis so while we're <laughs> still in the doctor who tie in uh I'm thinking, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ear. I come not to bury Caesar, but to stake him through the heart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so uh, we get we get we get some storyteller ideas. That's that's basically it. There's not, I mean, there's not like any like special tools that the storyteller gets. It's just it's it's the standard stuff about you know how to set the theme how to set the mood um you know make sure you write a plot keep things moving um yeah
0: okay that's the main book then we got appendix one which is the um um noted notable hunters Mm -hmm. has a bunch of pre-generated characters uh with histories these are the famous hunters
1: Right, so one thing that's kind of missing from this book is char- is uh, some pre-made, generated characters that are made using the rules in this book. That's not what we get here. These are these are like these are supposed to be basically like canon characters, and yeah, you could take them and you could put them together, but they are not all on the same level. Um, for example, this first dude, Caiaphas Smith, um, he is. Like he's a he's a ghoul, basically. Um, he he steals he steals vampire blood and he's used it to make himself you know stay stay young even though he's he's actually really really old. Um, and as a result, you look at his character sheet and he's got like five dots and tons of stuff. He's got t- a, a whole lot of numina, <laughs> which you know he's basically the vampire hunter badass. Um, but then the next one you get is Deborah Rose Keller and she's got a one strength, a one dexterity. I see a one in music. Yay. That's going to be useful.
0: (laughs) Totally is.
1: She has no numina. She has few allies, contacts and resources. She's got a, she's got a decent willpower. I mean, she does not have very much and she looks, she looks weaker. She is weaker than you would have for a character that was created, um, using the rules in this book. Um, there are some others. I would have liked if this book had had, you know, here are some pregens that you can start with. Not that everybody likes doing that, but it's always nice to have that just as an, an, an idea. It at least gives your players a place to start. They might they might say, well, can I change this character's like physical and mental stats? Can I swap those? And you'd be like, sure.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of funny because a White Wolf really picked up that concept and ran with it in future books. I mean, mm-hmm. For example, the the clan books for Vampire: The Masquerade, I think each have like a dozen um, ready-to-go pre-gen starting characters.
1: Yeah, and seeing as this is the size of a clan book, it's only about ninety pages. It, that that's something that I felt was really sorely missing out of this. Um, you know, a, a ready-made here's 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 a set of characters, and here's just here's a you don't even have to give us give me like a module, right? But you can mm-hmm. say here's a, here's a template story to get you started.
0: Right. And if I'm, I'm remembering correctly, I'm trying to think vampire first edition. I don't think had pre gens in it. No, but it the didn't. second edition did where they had the in the, the chapter where they outlined the clans. I think each clan had a starting, um, character in it that you could just copy that out of the book and go. So, yeah, they, they learned that if they wanted people to play, they need to make things a little bit easier. So mm-hmm. started putting a lot of
1: I mean, it's not that, in their books. It's not that it's a hard system to make a character, you know, but sometimes it's no, just easy but, to sit down and be like, all right, let's just start playing the game and let's see how this goes.
0: Right. It's just that in retrospect, it's conspicuous by its absence.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, But, you know, let's let's consider the time, right? This was 1991. Vampire had just come out the year before. They hadn't quite mm -hmm. found their their sea legs.
0: Yes. Okay. so are we done with Appendix one?
1: Yeah. Last appendix. We got two pages of vampire hunting gear.
0: Yes. And we've got mm, high tech stuff. The remote database terminal. Uh-oh.
1: A portable computer with a backpack satellite link up. Oh yeah, I got All that. Right. It's called a. It's called a smartphone.
0: <laughs> That's right. So mine fits in my pocket. Oh, yeah. Thirty years. We got high. T- yes, high tech stuff. We got magic stuff, and we've got regular stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and it's there's just, there's like, religious
1: you know, stuff too. Like, just like something that has like faith attached to it, kind of like. Um,
0: yeah, I just I was kind of lumping the those other subcategories into the supernatural thing. Oh, okay. but yes, they have yeah. they have mm-hmm. ones that seem more psychic. So it's like crystals and and stuff, and the alchemical ones is like a monkey's paw, and then the I was looking for something like a cross. steak
1: machine gun, but you know, they didn't uh, have that That was idea. that was
0: that was in Hunters Hunted Volume Two. <laughs> oh. I'm just joking that it probably was. Would, but yes, If yes. you were
1: here when we reviewed um, Vampire Kingdoms from Rifts, uh they, I, they I had a completely here. different no, nah, I'm telling to our I'm talking to our to our fan.
0: Uh, our, our, our listener, okay. Yes, our
1: listener. Okay. <laughs> whom we love. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh yeah. we, we when we, we you know, remember it was this was a very different type of approach to vampires. You remember how they had squirt guns for fighting vampires and uh, rail guns that had, like, wooden flechettes. So, yes. yeah, this is very, very different.
0: But, yeah, they, for each subcategory, they have about, a you know, four or five items. And I think a lot of this is primarily just to give you an idea of how to make your own.
1: And also because they were running out of relying,
0: Yes, as opposed to relying on this complete list of whatever it is. But, yeah, the in the mundane, the first thing is a, a spike thrower. Specially modified shotgun fires a wooden stake. See, it's right there.
1: <laughs> I mean, I can imagine it's, it's a shotgun f- that fires a slug, maybe. But, like, why, at this point, why just not use a crossbow? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm concerned um, that the shotgun might accidentally splinter the stake while you're shooting it <laughs> from the force. <laughs>
0: Well, since it's modified from a Hungarian design used in the 1956 uprising, that we've had plenty of years of research and development by, you know, 1991 mm-hmm. to perfect this so that it would not shatter. I the guess. Stake. Yeah.
1: Crossbows are still deadly, though, which is the thing. I, I no, I would use a crossbow. That's my that's my take. Anyway. OK, so here's my bottom line. I wish I could play this game. I've never had an opportunity to play a Hunter's Hunted game. And I would love to, they've even, they've even re-released this game as Hunter's Hunted two, um, with the vampire, the anniversary edition, 20th anniversary edition. Uh, that's what I was Mm -hmm. trying to say. And, um, you know, that, that was just this book with tons of extra stuff. And I, I, I like. I don't even want to use like the numina. That's not the appeal to me. The idea is I like the idea of playing a playing a group of characters that are up against something that is way out of their league, and you have to be clever, and you have to think of something cool or uh, use or you know just kind of outside the box to. Do that, and I also love games that have danger in them. And this game really does have a lot of danger because one false step and seriously, a vampire can make a mortal into mincemeat. So
0: yes, um, I I like the simplicity that was at this point in the game. Uh, I agree that this book and um, the first edition of uh, World of Darkness, where they really started trying to flesh out the setting a little bit more. I, I I love that book. I I don't know why because it's also kind of crappy in a lot of ways, but there's just something about that. I I'm constantly returning to. Um, I mean, of all the White Wolf World of Darkness books, I think that um, first edition World of Darkness and maybe the first edition Vampire Storytellers Guide keep drawing me back in. Of course, you know, five pages later, I'm like, well, why did I pick this thing up? But <laughs> there's just, there's just something that always tries to, to bring me back into that mindset and, and that time period. And again, it's because of things like later on with, you know, uh Halls of the Arcanum and Sorcerer's Paths, you know, they they made way too much of the supernatural abilities for those guys. And then like Hunter the Reckoning they, they went way overboard about yeah. how to do hunters. Um Yeah, the yeah.
1: that that was whole like, you know, oh, you're supernatural beings imbued with the power to fight vampires. It's, it's very different. I like right. this. I like the feel of this. Uh the
0: simplicity mm-hmm. of almost having like this this film noir detective drama except you're going after vampires. It, it's very appealing.
1: Yeah. All right, so that's our those are our thoughts on uh, on Hunters Hunted, the first edition. Um, and uh, if you guys like it, it's still available. You can you can actually pick it up on DriveThruRPG. RPG. Um, but yeah, there are later editions of this too. If you if you don't if you don't if you're not so up on something that uh, does need a little bit of of work, editing wise and layout wise, and doesn't doesn't quite have ready to go characters for you. But this is, an yeah, easier, the, this is easier to pick up than if you were to try and pick up Hunters Hunted 2 with absolutely no context. So, Oh, by yes. the way, and this is not a complete game. You do need Vampire the Masquerade to run this in order for you to create your villains. Yes,
0: this is an accessory for Vampire the Masquerade 1st Edition. All right, is that everything?
1: Yeah, I think that's everything.
0: All right. I'm Alfred G. Oldman. He's Josh Davis. Together we're back in time, critics. This was our podcast. Thank you for your time and attention. Oh, wait, I forgot. We are totally uh, Loth Connection now. (laughs) We are Loth Connection. We are the Loth Connection. (laughs) You know,
1: one of these days when we have a merch shop with T-shirts, that's going to be one of our first T-shirts. We are Loth Connection.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, you can edit that part out. Uh yeah, well, well, I'll I'll even say it again so you have a nice clean copy for the. For the no, we're, the we're
1: we're good. Bye everybody.
0: No, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna say it again. <laughs>
1: He's gonna say I'm it Alfred, again. But we're done.
0: I'm Alfred G. Gio- I'm Alfred Gio-
1: The Bit Critics Podcast is a production of Three D Six in order. It is hosted by Alfred Oldman and me, Josh Davis. Production and editing also by me. Thanks from both worlds to Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan. Our intro music is Deadfrosh by Starfrosh. Our outro music is Tomorrow Belongs to Cats by and Sigmund. All music is copyrighted by its respective owners and licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Our email is bitcritics at protonmail.com, and you can find us on Twitter at bitcritics. Tell us what you think of the show and what you would like us to review next. We would love to hear from you. Remember, every natural one is an opportunity. Thanks for listening.